what's something funny you'd like to share with the audience? I I don't know. I think I don't want to get too much into the topic, but all I can think about is like Jamie Lee Curtis, like trauma. 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 Wait, maybe that's. Do you think we're allowed to steal clips from the internet? Like, could we record her saying that? I I don't see why we couldn't. Yeah. Well, I don't want her to like sue us. Well, if people on the internet can use it, why can't we use it? Trauma. Trauma. Generational, Generational trauma. Trauma. Family trauma. Generational trauma. 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 Did you see trauma. actually that Jamie Lee Curtis reached out to Disney and wants to do a Freaky Friday sequel? Oh, stop. And Lindsay With Lohan. With my girl Lindsay. Yes, and then Lindsay Lohan reached out to Disney and said that she was in. So now they're just waiting for a script and the green light from Disney. I will write the script. I think I could write a script. It will be called Sleepy Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, like her pitch for it was that she was a sexy grandma and Lindsay Stop. Lohan was like her daughter. And <laughs> that's like a mother now. And... They get switched again. And so now she has to like live. Lindsay Lohan has to live life as like a sexy grandma. And like Jamie Lee Curtis has to be a mom all over again. Wow. That sounds amazing. I mean, personally, I think our entire generation would rally behind something like that. Agreed. Agreed. Although I did watch Hocus Pocus too. And it was, it was a little not as good, which was disappointing. I haven't seen it yet. I mean, I would recommend it. It wasn't, let's be real. It wasn't the worst hour and a half I've spent of my life. That would probably be, I mean, I could give a lot of other ways that I've spent a horrible hour and a half of my life. So yeah, you could watch it. It's not horrible. This is not as good. Okay. But the Jamie Lee Curtis, sorry. I, I can't stop talking about Jamie Lee Curtis. I don't understand the movie that she's in. Halloween. What's the name? It's Halloween ends this time because it's okay. a sequel to the sequel to the sequel. But why is he still haunting her like that? Do you know? You know, I really wish I did know, but I don't because I haven't seen the movies. You've never seen any of them? No. I haven't seen them either. But I So why are you calling me up? <laughs> because... You're my movie expert, and I'm supposed to be able to come to you and say, what is this about? And you're supposed to be able to tell me. I mean, I think the thing about it is, though, it's that, like, I am a movie expert when it comes to the pop culture references that lie within. But okay. when it comes to the movies themselves sometimes, that's the tough part for me. Because, like, a scary movie, I'm not going to launch it because I don't want to see Michael Myers in my bedroom mirror at night, you know? Like, mm -hmm. but I know I would if I watched the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. There are some movies. I finish watching, and I just sit in the shower and I cry. Like what? A Star is Born. Oh, that one got me. I said in the past three weeks that I think I was supposed to be born into a socialite family, but I wasn't. So... I honestly believe that you were supposed to be born into a socialite family, and I was supposed to be your gayest friend. That was like <laughs> us in another life, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's not too late, but... That's true. Maybe maybe you should marry into a social life family. <laughs> I'm working on it.
I'm Lexi. And I'm Lane. And this is My Therapist Told Me, the podcast where we unpack our lives and encourage you to do the same. Woo! Hey, Lexi. <laughs> I feel like I always get really gig- nervous giggles right before we start. So I do too. I feel that. Alexa, start recording the podcast. <laughs> So for those of you who don't know, I don't know if we're keeping this in. My name is Alexa. My government name is Alexa, but I go by Lexi most of the time. I go by Alexa at work. It's actually caused quite an identity crisis in myself. Why do you go by Alexa at work? Well, they asked my name and I said Alexa and then it was too late to tell them that's not really what I go by. <laughs> and so now you're and now too it's nervous too to like, actually tell them. I'm too nervous. Yeah. I've been like slowly thrown in like, oh, yeah, like feel free to call me Lex or like whatever. But like, anyways, long story short, I used to have a boyfriend who would say like, Alexa, stop talking. And he thought it was so funny. And I didn't think it was very funny. But I did have a student who asked me if I was named after the Alexa. And I was like, oh, honey. Oh, no. No, no. Oh, wait, speaking of legal names, we know that I go by Randall. Yes! What's your legal name? Share but, it. Yeah, my legal name is Randall, but I do choose to go by Lane, which is my devil name, because I have a separate identity that my father then chooses to use Randall. So, yeah. I just thought that's pretty interesting. Maybe this is why one of the reasons like we're kindred spirits, because we don't use our legal names. Yet. Maybe one day. Maybe we'll turn 40 and you'll be like, good morning, I'm Randall. I'm Randall. (laughs) All right, Lane. So today we're going to be talking about PTSD. And so I'm just curious how familiar you already are with this topic. Yeah, I feel like I don't have much context for what it looks like in younger people uh, experiencing, you know, certain things. I yeah, don't have much context for that. I feel like the only context I have for PTSD and, you know, what anything I've learned in the past has been in the context of war veterans and, you know, with my grandpa suffering from PTSD and like the effects that it had on my mom and my grandma and their family structure. Yeah. But mm-hmm. outside of that, I don't really have, you know, much context for it. Okay, well, hopefully you'll get the chance to learn a lot today. So jumping in, PTSD, if you aren't familiar, stands for post-traumatic stress disorder, and it's a condition that occurs in people who have experienced or witnessed a traumatic event. So traumatic events include all sorts of things, including what you talked about, war or combat, but it can also be things like sexual violence, terrorist acts, serious accidents, or even natural disasters. So it's interesting because at the time of this recording, the U.S. just experienced Hurricane Ian a few weeks back, and I've been doing some research, and some reports are showing that folks where the hurricane hit the hardest are actually beginning to develop some symptoms of PTSD. So I'm curious as to how that may play out on a larger scale in the coming months, but it can be, you know, an area that has witnessed something collective. So I thought that was really really important to include. 
it, it makes sense. You know, I'm not questioning like anything about it. it right. Just, you know, it would never like occur to you that it'd yeah. be like, oh, like something like a hurricane could induce these things. Yeah. And Lane, do you want to guess how many people are actually diagnosed with PTSD in their lifetime? Give me like a one in blank number. Actually diagnosed. Yes. Well, like have the condition and receive help for it. Oh, gosh. Maybe like one in 10,000. Oh, wow. That was so close. It's one in 11. Literally like 11, like the number 11, like not 11, like 11 people. No, no, no. Like 11 people. That many people suffer from PTSD. Yeah. I really like that you thought it was so narrow, though. That makes me feel special. <laughs> I really saw, I mean, well, I was thinking in the context too of like when you said like receiving help for it, I feel like yeah. a lot of people might go like undiagnosed with sure. PTSD. Sure. I feel like if I would have thought about it and like how many people like, have PTSD but never like no no might not ever get treated anything like that I would guess maybe lower but to know that many people actually are diagnosed with it is super interesting and here's where we'll say that a lot of people will experience trauma in their lifetime but that there are a lot of different factors that can determine general reactions and the actual onset of PTSD so let's talk about some of those things. First off, age is a big one. Younger people actually tend to react more significantly to traumatic events and thus can develop PTSD. Gender is also a factor. Um, women and women identifying folks are two times as likely to develop the condition. Your ability to prepare prior to the event. So if we go back to that natural disasters example, if it's a hurricane and some folks have the opportunity to stock up or evacuate, they can have a different reaction than if it was something like an earthquake and no one had any warning that it was coming. A fourth factor is the amount of damage done to your property. So did it physically harm you or your things in some way? And the last one is the degree of responsibility you feel for causing or not preventing the event. So you can think kind of like a little bit of survivor's guilt or just some personal blame surrounding that. So looking at symptoms specifically, there's a lot that can occur, typically within one month of the traumatic incident, but sometimes it doesn't arise until years later. And scientists group these symptoms into four categories. So the first is intrusive memory, which includes things like recurrent or unwanted flashbacks and even things like nightmares. The second is avoidance which looks like trying to avoid thinking or talking about the event or even avoiding places, activities, or people that may be linked to the trauma. The third is negative changes in thinking and mood. Symptoms in this category can include how you think about yourself or others, feeling hopeless, having a lack of interest in activities that were once enjoyed, numbness, and difficulty maintaining close relationships. And the fourth category of symptoms is physical and emotional reactions. So this may look like being easily startled or being hypersensitive to danger or even things like self-destructive behavior, irritability, trouble sleeping, and guilt and shame. 
frequently these symptoms are triggered by something. And I want to take a second to talk about triggers specifically because I feel like we use them very frequently in our modern era in reference to jokes and things saying like, oh my God, I'm so triggered, Um, which is sure it's funny, but I want to get down to like the actual definition and how it impacts people with PTSD. So let's talk about it. Lane, how would you define a trigger? I would say a trigger is something that invokes like a certain memory or like feeling that's associated with an event. Exactly. Yes. The technical definition Mm -hmm. is that a trigger is a sensory reminder that causes a feeling of trauma to resurface and then show up in the body via some of those different symptoms that I just mentioned. And triggers can include a sound, a smell, a physical sensation, and even a time of day. But they're often what brings those symptoms back up to the forefront of survivors' minds. I also just want to quickly say that even though 1 in 11 people will be diagnosed with PTSD during their lifetime, there are ways to sort of heal or improve those symptoms and learn to manage various triggers. So we'll get back to that a little bit later. But there is hope because it does seem like a very overwhelming number. I also want to make a quick PSA that for the purpose of today's episode, we'll be focusing specifically on an individual's journey with PTSD, but there is something called generational trauma. Lane, have you ever heard of this term before? Only used by Jamie Lee Curtis. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I have heard the term before. Yeah, if so for those who aren't familiar, generational trauma is trauma. Now I feel like I'm saying trauma so much. Trauma. Generational trauma. trauma. Generational trauma is not just experienced by one person, but it occurs over multiple generations or a family or a group of people. And this concept was first recognized in the 60s when psychologists began to analyze children whose parents had survived the Holocaust. So they were seeing how the children had different symptoms that were related to the trauma that their parents had experienced. Today, we generally see people experience generational trauma when they have been systematically exploited, they've endured repeated and continual abuse, or they face extreme examples of racism or poverty. So it's probably a lot of people, Um, but it's a really complex topic that's super necessary to understand, and maybe one day we'll get to do a whole show about it. But again, today we're just focusing on one individual who has experienced a traumatic event. Anyways, if you've been with us for the past few episodes, you know that we cover topics that we have a personal connection to. So I'm just going to put it out into the world. This is a hard topic for me to talk about, and I'm proud of myself for being able to do this episode. But I was diagnosed with PTSD when I was about 21 after experiencing intense relationship violence. And I won't go into too many details of that just yet. I'm like very much considering doing a future episode about it. But honestly, I'm still getting used to airing out all of my business on the internet where like my boss can find it. (laughs) Yeah, this is like our digital footprint. Like this is out there. 
Right. Like I'm like one day maybe my kids will be like, oh, my God, mom, you're so embarrassing talking about PTSD on the Internet. Like, God, you know, <laughs> so still still considering that. Um, but for today, I thought this would be a good place to start because it is something that impacts so many people. Anyways, I received the diagnosis after months of struggling with various symptoms of the condition that we've talked about today. But I think I think deep down that I knew I had it. I just didn't want the formal diagnosis. And we've talked a little bit on the show about the shame that can come from these diagnoses. And this one felt a little more intensified for me. Going back to what we've talked about, I feel like growing up, I only ever heard PTSD used in reference to war veterans who had had like these really horrific accidents and lost their limbs or their abilities to do things. And so I felt like weirdly like I didn't deserve the diagnosis in a strange way because what I had experienced seemed a lot less terrible than that. And, you know, now doing the research, I'm realizing that one in 11 is pretty significant. So it's much more common than I thought, but I think it was definitely a barrier for me seeking help in the very beginning. I can imagine that it was probably that weird feeling that you would get where it's like, oh, do I really have PTSD? Like I haven't been through like X, Y, or Z, but yeah, it's still like just as impactful of an event, you know, just as traumatic, yeah. just as, you know, stressful. And so, sure. yeah, I mean, and that's why I shared earlier, like the only context I'd really heard of PTSD and I'm, I feel like that's what we're fed is like simply yeah. just around war veterans. Right. And even like, I feel like we covered it in high school psychology and things like that, but we never got deep into it or learned about other things it was always just this idea of like someone being in like Iraq or Iran or all these different places where they were were when we were growing up and hearing about how they just faced these inhumane experiences and had mm -hmm. to deal with all the fallout from that so Lexi going out and looking for you know help when you started like experiencing some of these symptoms. I'm curious, like what was, what were the symptoms that you were experiencing? Yeah, I can list a few of the big ones. Um, I remember one that was really hard for me at this point in my life was that I was struggling with low self-esteem. I vividly remember crying in a clothing store changing room because I felt like I didn't look like myself and nothing had physically changed like nothing had really altered after the experience but I just felt like I didn't look like me and it was more than just my looks I found a journal entry from this time um, when I was going through my notes about this and I tried to answer the question what about me gives me a positive sense of who I am and I literally wrote I have no idea and so that was just a really challenging thing to see and to reflect on because I just feel like I lost my sense of self and I didn't feel good about myself. I was also having intense nightmares. Um, this was different for me than reliving the experience because it would be a new lo location or with a different person, but it was just really hard to wake up after having such intense feelings of fear during sleep. And so it would take me a long time to fall back asleep or I would wake up feeling unrested. And so then I was kind of carrying those feelings with me into the new day. And so I noticed that that would impact my mood or my feelings. And so that was a challenge. And then the last symptom that was prevalent for me was actually panic attacks. 
So I've always been an anxious person. (laughs) And so I had had a few panic attacks before the traumatic experience, but the frequency certainly increased afterwards. Um, And if you aren't familiar, a panic attack is basically just when your body seizes up because of a perceived threat. So for me, my heart rate would accelerate and I would start sweating and I couldn't regulate my breath. So I would start like hyperventilating a little bit, which just ends up scaring you more. But pro tip, if someone around you is having a panic attack, you can help them by refocusing their attention. So my mom and I learned that counting out of order and then having me repeat it was something that helped my brain pull me out of it. So pro tip, if you have a friend or a family member who experiences panic attacks. I've never heard that before. Or I actually, I take that back. I think you were the one who told me about I think I like told a lot of my best friends because I was like, if I start having a panic attack, like, here's what you do. And everyone was like, this is crazy. And I was like, no, like it works. Like, I promise it will pull me out. Yeah, so. I think that you're the only person I've heard that from because I started now that I'm thinking back to it, I'm pretty sure I started like thinking about numbers out of order and how I would say them to like <laughs> make sure you were, that, like rehearsing. Yeah. So that way you have to do like different <laughs> syllables and stuff like that. Like, yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Thanks, Lynn. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for you. Now that we know all of this information, I'm curious when you were in therapy, what your therapist told you. Yeah. So I focused a lot on this in therapy. So I have some exciting and interesting things to share, but I learned really early on in my PTSD journey that being able to tell my story would help me heal. My therapist specifically told me that when we're able to tell our story of our trauma, it can sort of trick our brain into finding closure because we create a new narrative and then we can pack it away, right? So it's not like looping in our brains over and over and over again. Let me preface this by saying it was very early on in my therapy journey and actually one of the reasons I went back to therapy in the first place. And so I was still an undergrad and if you know me, you know I love school. (laughs) So to be able to help me keep myself accountable in therapy, I asked for homework, which is so lame, but And I know it sounds crazy, but it was really one of the only ways I could show up without being nervous because I knew what would already be happening and what we would talk about because I would have something prepared and it helped to keep me accountable and focused on what I was trying to heal through when I wasn't in therapy exactly, like throughout the rest of the week or the two weeks in between. So early on, my therapist assigned me a trauma timeline, which is quite frankly, the most depressing homework assignment I have ever received, but it is what it is. And in this assignment, I was supposed to create a timeline of the traumatic event that I experienced as if I was watching it through like a movie. So not experiencing it directly, but watching it happen to someone else. Mm And that was to help remove me from the experience so that it wouldn't trigger me necessarily. But she did coach me through some grounding techniques in case I did need to calm myself down at any point. And it was hard. I cried a lot. But honestly, the hardest part was that I couldn't remember large chunks of the event. And that really scared me. Um, But my therapist reassured me and told me that this is normal, that 
sometimes the brain hides really stressful and traumatic memories to protect itself from the emotional pain of constantly having to recall those thoughts. And some scientists actually believe that the brain can access those memories if it returns to the same state. But obviously, I do not want to return to the same state. So we're just going to leave her, leave her in there for right now. Yeah, I hope you <laughs> never return to the same state. Yeah, me too. But also hearing this, I've heard that the brain will do that. Like it will hide like traumatic memories um, in order yeah. to like kind of protect us. But it's so fascinating how it's how it does that. Yeah, and I think like a lot of times when we think about the context, people will say they don't remember events from like their childhood that were really traumatic or things like that because they're protect protecting their adult selves. And sometimes these will come out in therapy and then it's really hard to navigate because you're like, I can't believe this happened to me and I didn't remember for the past 20 years or something like that. But I do think it's a little more common than we talk about. And mm. I think it's okay to talk about it too. Yeah. I will say that happened to me in therapy, not to jump in and like steal your thunder here, but like that no, was please. thinking about that. I had multiple times where my therapist would just ask me a question a certain way or ask me to think about something. And when I did, I would come up with a memory that I could remember like vividly all of a sudden. And it was like, I like triggered a certain memory in my mind that I was like, oh my gosh, that did happen. But I completely forgot about it until this moment. The brain just fascinates me. It's uh, no pun intended and mind blowing. So. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. And so that's why we need therapists, right? Because like you could do that on your own and then you could re-traumatize yourself basically. Yeah. So I feel like that's why having a professional person walking you through that is a super important part of the process. And that's why you should all go to therapy, not to spoil the ending. But <laughs> here's a little, a little flash of what's coming. <laughs> Another part of PTSD that I really struggled with was this idea of not feeling safe in my own body and needing to be hypervigilant to overcompensate for that fact. So, for example, shortly after my traumatic event, whenever I got triggered, I would say, I want to go home. Even if I was sitting in my bed at home, and you probably heard me say this a couple of times, but it was really an analogy for how my home, being my physical body, did not feel safe to me anymore, no matter where I was on the earth. I could be in my home, I could be in a stranger's home, I could be in a dumpster, but I was still not feeling safe. I started noticing that I was constantly watching over my back or preparing for the worst possible outcome because I expected really bad and scary things to happen to me. I became very aware of who was around me, what they looked like, license plate numbers. I mean, it was like something out of like NCIS or something like I just was constantly expecting to be in the middle of an investigation of some kind and so was like trying to memorize those key pieces and so my therapist and I did some work and discovered that this was connected back to the moment of trauma and feeling like I couldn't protect myself at that point in time and this was not surprising to me but I was like ma'am how do I get over this yeah that <laughs> one's a tough one to get over yeah no one wants to deal with this for the rest of their life so we started this thing called exposure hierarchy. Have mm. you ever heard of this? This is not like exposure therapy, is it? 
Yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. So what do you know about exposure therapy then? I guess it's just like your worst fears. You like literally expose yourself to it, right? Like you put yourself in a situation that is scary. Yes. So it's like if you're afraid of snakes, you'll spend a lot of time with snakes, like things like that, right? Where you're working through what would normally trigger you. But the exposure hierarchy is like ranking situations that trigger you in a controlled environment so that you can see like how severe they are and work from the bottom up. For example, the bottom would be like writing out my story. And then like maybe the next tier would be like telling it to a friend, which is when I started like disclosing it to some of my close friends. Right. And then like all the way up at the top was like visiting the place where the trauma happened. And so this was really hard, obviously, because you're like forcing yourself to re-embrace all of these feelings and thoughts and hard things that you had to deal with. But it showed me that I could get through these things and I could be okay and I could protect myself. And so I needed to have those things happen to me in that safe, controlled environment so that I could feel safe with myself again. I'm just curious. Yeah. So with this exposure hierarchy, that allowed you to be more comfortable in your everyday life, like not being super anxious about everything around you because you had already kind of worked through some of that? A little bit, a little bit. I don't think it completely went away. I was actually talking with my therapist today. I think I'm just like generally afraid of men. Like who isn't? Yeah, who isn't, honestly. (laughs) But like I think think there's still a part of me that is – fearful in certain ways but through doing the hierarchy I was able to deal with the fear of that that specific traumatic experience and so I was able to deal with sort of the anxiety and the stress around that which has helped me to prove to myself that I can grow through that Mm -hmm. and that means that I will be able to go through things in the future if they happen does that make sense yeah that makes sense during this time I also really worked on creating a safe mental space. So someplace where I felt at home and then visualizing it in those moments where I felt overwhelmed or triggered. So for me, I chose the Scottish Highlands. Um, Yeah, I was there with my Papa John. It's made it into almost all the episodes now. I think Papa John has made it into every episode at this point. (laughs) Yeah, so we went when I was in college and it was such a magical place and they have these little highland cows I love cows are one of my cows yes cows are one of my favorite animals and they're like so fluffy and a bunch of them were ginger and I'm ginger so I felt like I just really connected with them Um, but I had a lot of really wonderful memories of that space and had felt very present there so I could easily like manifest it in my brain and think about the things I was hearing, the sensations I was feeling, things like that. And so if a moment was hard for me, I would think of the highlands and the cows and I would draw strength from it. And that was really powerful for me. And if you had to choose a safe space right now, putting you on the spot, what do you think you would say? Yeah, this is tough because I did do this with my therapist as well. Um, was like having a safe place to go see And the place I picked was uh, like just a beach, not necessarily any particular one, but I always feel at peace when I'm on a beach in the sand, listening to the water. Like that's when I'm at my best, I feel like. 
And so that I was, that. that's definitely like anytime I was having a tough moment, whether it was like East Hampton or Topsail Island or, you know, any <laughs> beach that I used to go to, like I can yeah. put myself there. So, yeah. That's awesome. We should go to more beaches together. Honestly, yeah. Next vacation, tropical <laughs> question one. Yeah. I love it. Okay, the last thing I'll say about creating safety in my body and my mind was something that really helped me was limiting movies, shows, and music that had themes of violence in it. Mm -hmm. So this is hard because I feel like a lot of our media currently has a lot of violence and especially violence against women, which is something that I experienced. And so... I just found that it would make me feel really upset, but it was something that was completely within my control. So by removing that, I just filled it all with bad reality TV shows. And now I'm like so much better. I'm like cured. So yeah. if anyone ever wants to talk about Jersey Shore, pop into the DMs because <laughs> I love bad reality TV. Not that Jersey Shore is bad. I think it's the greatest creation ever. But anyways. But yeah, I... I know what you mean. That similar idea of cutting yourself off from media that portrays, you know, violence against women. It's like similar to a couple episodes ago when we were talking about like my coming out story and yes. how traumatic that was for me. It's yeah. th a similar idea. Like a lot of the narratives that he used to see in TV shows where like queer kids in general being constricted by their parents or yeah. being homeless or having some sort of violence and acted against them you know so it's like i i also started filming myself off and i think it's nice that things like violence against women are slowly being pulled out of media i think because people are finally saying yeah. like this is enough and it's the same thing right. with like the narratives around the traumatic coming out yeah that's being stopped because it's actually enough and like it will trigger people yeah. so yeah, and I feel like they just do it to get a rise out of people because they think it makes good media. But, like, life is so hard that I just don't feel like we need that on top of what we're actually dealing with. Like, in my mind, at least, and I know some people feel different, but media for me is a way to escape what I'm actually dealing with in my life. Right. I don't want to see the most traumatic moment of my life replayed during those off times. So I hope we'll kind of continue to shift the narrative of those sorts of things but i do agree that it's getting better or at least you know sometimes there are warnings or you can look up trigger warnings and things like that yeah no doubt the last thing that my therapist and i talked about was the fact that healing isn't linear and i know this feels super cliche but i think sometimes we just need to say it and we need to hear it and so i won't lie thinking about and reflecting about this episode was really hard for me. Um, I'm currently struggling with understanding the purpose behind my traumatic event. I'm the type of person who likes to see how everything is connected and visualize, okay, this event led me to here, which led me to here, and now I'm to here. And I don't feel like I can do that with this. So it's kind of frustrating. And then it, I just feel like I can't put a meaning behind it. But we've talked about, my therapist and I have talked about the fact that it doesn't have to have meaning. Maybe it's something that happened and I'm still here and that's it. 
Or maybe it's something that haven't been able to see the purpose yet because it hasn't come through. Or maybe someone's listening to this episode and they're thinking, hmm, some of these symptoms sound like things that I'm dealing with. Maybe I have PTSD. And then they go to a therapist and they get help. And then that was the purpose, right? But all of this to say, there are still moments when I really struggle with what I experienced and the lasting effects of it. But I'm also really proud of myself. I'm very thankful that I journaled throughout my early healing process because I can look back and see how far I've come. And I just remember being in that moment and thinking that I couldn't possibly see a way out. But here I am and I survived it and I'm honestly thriving right now. So I guess I just want to reiterate that There isn't one path to healing and there isn't one timeline that you have to follow. And it's okay if your trauma regarding any sort of topic or experience catches up with you every now and again because you're doing great and you're taking small steps and that's all that matters. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) I feel like we these sessions are like therapy for us because by the end, we're both like, oh, my God, you felt so good. Like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I know. Well, I think, it's, nice. I think it is super nice because we've been on, like, we obviously have plenty of trauma to talk about. But, like, trauma. We, and we shared that together early in our yeah. relationship. And, like, I don't want to say our friendship was built on shared trauma. But, trauma. like, it, <laughs> it might have been a little bit. But, like, that yeah, we were we were sharing all of this with each other like we had similar areas of emotions to pull from at least and yeah then we grew up a little bit and like went to therapy so we've been on like parallel therapy journeys and now we're getting to like share what the other side of all of that looks like and i think that's the best part yeah well any thoughts about ptsd or any of the things that i talked about today yeah, overall hearing, especially the like the last part, the biggest takeaway for me and something that I want to just, you know, echo you on is that like all of this healing is in linear. And so I'm mm-hmm. very thankful that you called that out. That was a big point for my therapist. So I thought like, it's not like point A to point B. It's you don't get a course syllabus and you're not able to do everything like very, you know, by the book you're so sometimes. Right. So, yeah, you're so right. Yeah, I think that's just super important to, to remind people of. Cool. Well, anything you'd like to say to our friends before we log off for the evening? I think my only final thought is that you should go to therapy. Please, please go to therapy. The world would be so much better if we just all went to therapy. If we all went to therapy. All right. See y'all in therapy. Goodbye. Bye.